Some people say if you've committed suicide, you can't go to heaven. I disagree. I think it's the worst thing you could ever do. It's the most selfish, stupid thing you could ever do. But I believe all selfish and stupid things have been covered by the blood of Jesus. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, this is Jim Scudder. Welcome to In Grace, and also welcome to June. Uh, we turn the calendar again, and I hope that this month is a month that you can glorify the Lord with your life. Uh, we're continuing in a series that we just started yesterday called Answers, and we're going to be talking today about some really, really good questions. Did Ananias and Sapphira go to heaven when they died, or King Saul? How do I read through the Bible? How do I read through the Old Testament? Does forgiveness mean you have to fellowship with the person you forgave? These are real questions from real people. And so uh, here's another one. Why does God give certain things to some people and take away those things from other people? These are good questions. These are real life questions. And so we're gonna answer these and more today here on In Grace. These are Bible questions from people like you that have something in their life or they're reading their Bible and they just come across something and they just want to know. So what we're going to do is do our best to open up the Word of God and answer these questions biblically. And I'm excited to do this. Just before we go to that, you've been hearing me talk for a while about our cruise to Alaska. I am so excited about it. Now it's only about a month and a half away. We may still have room. I'm not sure, but there's still possibly room to come on our cruise to Alaska this July, July 9th through the 16th. It's on Holland America, and we have a special room in the ship each evening where we can hear from our creation speaker, Bruce Malone. I'll be there to minister, my wife, Karen, and we would be so honored for you to see this beautiful state with us here at In Grace. To get a free brochure or to look at it or print it yourself, you can go to ingraceradio.com, click on travel, ingraceradio.com, click on travel, or you can call us at 1-800-78-GRACE, and we'd be happy to answer your questions and send you a free brochure. Another question, did Ananias and Sapphira go to heaven when they died? And then the person that asked the question, by the way, these are anonymous questions, I don't know who's asking, but they also asked about King Saul. Who are Ananias and Sapphira? Well, we find them in Acts chapter 5. They were people that had property. Everyone in the early church, Jesus had resurrected and ascended into heaven. The Spirit of God had come upon the people. Everyone was so excited about God, about church, about what they could do in the community through the local church. And they were literally selling their possessions and their land and giving the money to the church. And Ananias and Sapphira, if you'll read these verses of Acts 5, brought their money, they sold a possession, and they gave it to the church. You say, well, what's the problem with that? Here's the problem. They didn't bring all the money. And by the way, that's not the problem. The problem is that they said it was all the money. Okay? If you want to bring an offering to church, that's fine. But don't say, I sold a piece of land and here's all the money. It's for the Lord. Why would they even say that? Well, they wanted the accolade, right? They wanted people to think that they were really awesome. Everyone else is doing this. We're going to do it too. But it would not have been a sin if they would have brought a tenth of the money or half of the money or whatever it was. The problem was that they told the church this is all the money from the sale of this possession. Now, what happened? <laughs> well, this seems pretty cruel, maybe, you might say. Literally, 
in verse 5, when Peter pointed out his sin, that you've sinned against the Holy Ghost, you've lied to God, not to us, Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. Okay? That means he died. (laughs) They carried him out. His wife came in a little while later, didn't know what happened. They asked her. She lied, and she died. Now today, I think that's an extreme case to kind of show that, that God is still God and truth is still important. And somebody says, well, are they in heaven? Were they saved? Would God have done that to a lost person? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30, that the people of Corinth that were abusing such a sacred and wonderful time called communion, they were literally getting drunk at the Lord's table, that it says that because of that, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. That means died, okay? Because of their disobedience, it doesn't mean that they're in hell. It means that they had to suffer a physical consequence for their sin. And although we believe that once you put your faith in Christ, you have eternal life, you cannot lose that, there are still consequences to sin. There are still ramifications when we disobey God and when we hurt others. And the consequence to Corinthians were some were sick, some, were, some had been taken to heaven. We don't find anywhere that the Bible says that they were lost, they were never saved. It calls them brethren. And in Acts 5, by the way, the early church, there weren't any phonies in the early church. Because if you were a Christian in the early church, you were going to suffer for it. You're going to lose your job. You could get persecuted. You could be thrown in jail. You could lose your life. So I'm going to say, although it doesn't say explicitly Ananias and Sapphira were saved, I'm going to say they have to be. There's no way they would be part of this church unless they were true believers in Jesus Christ. So then will we see them in heaven? Will we see King Saul in heaven? We're going to talk about him in a second. Hebrews 12, 6 also talks about this. In 1 John 5, 16, look this up later. It talks about a sin unto death for a believer. But in Hebrews 12, 6, it tells us if God loves you, God's going to chasten you. And that chastening might be all the way to death, according to Scripture. So were Ananias and Sapphira saved, and since they were punished because of this lie, public lie to the church by death, does that mean that they're in hell or heaven? I say they have to be in heaven, and you'll get to meet them. What about Saul? What about Saul? Well, Saul, Saul was a pretty good guy. Although he did break God's law by offering a sacrifice that only the priests were allowed to offer, he was visited by evil spirits on several occasions. He spent a lot of time trying to murder David. He tried to murder his own son, Jonathan. He ordered the slaughter of 85 innocent priests and their families. He consulted with a witch, and he committed suicide. Pretty good guy, huh? Sounds like a safe person to me. Well, where is Saul? Well, 1 Samuel 10, 6 tells us the Spirit of God was upon Saul. Here's what I think. I think Saul was a believer in the coming Messiah and was saved, just like we are saved today by looking back at the Messiah that has come. We put our full trust and dependence in Jesus who died and rose again. The Messiah has come. We trust in him. Saul, David, Moses, Elijah all looked forward to the promise of the Messiah and were saved the exact same way we are So I believe Saul, because the Spirit of God was upon him, I believe that's an indication that he was a believer and was saved for all eternity. Yeah, he did some pretty terrible things. 
But you know what? A Christian that walks according to the flesh is going to really go off track and is capable of a lot of terrible things. Some people say if you've committed suicide, you can't go to heaven. I disagree. I think it's the worst thing you could ever do. It's the most selfish, stupid thing you could ever do. But I believe all selfish and stupid things have been covered by the blood of Jesus. And if you receive that gift of eternal life, you are saved for all eternity. Will there be consequences? Yeah. Will there be people that are devastated that you've left behind if you've committed suicide? Yeah. It's, it's horrible. But... Salvation is eternal. And Saul, I believe, will see in heaven. Sure, I'm sure he'll regret those things that he did. But he was walking according to the flesh, and so were Ananias and Sapphira. But I believe we'll see all of them in heaven. Question, how should you read through the Old Testament? I think the question is more of, because the Old Testament is sometimes hard to read, and when you get to the genealogies and things, how do you do that? How do you, and it's so big, and there's so many things like the dietary laws and the different things that don't apply at all to us today. But I think we should know it. I think we should read it. Why? Because everything in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, is based on the Old Testament. You really need to know Genesis. How do we know how we got here? How do we know what marriage is? How do we know all of these things, languages? It's all in Genesis. Here's an idea. Especially with the Old Testament, and this is what I've done and my wife has done, listen to an audio Bible, okay? You can do that while you're getting ready in the morning. You can do that while you're driving. And they have some really great voices that really make it come alive. And that's a great way to go through, especially the Old Testament. Don't neglect the Old Testament because that's the foundation for everything that we know as Christians. The next question, does forgiveness mean you have to have fellowship? Well, I know for sure that we are supposed to forgive, right? Should you offer forgiveness even if the person isn't asking for forgiveness? I think yes. I think we should always offer forgiveness, even if it's terrible, even if it's hard. The worst thing that you could ever do for yourself is not forgive and let it pent up and you get vengeful and you get so upset emotionally. Here's what you need to do. Even if the person's not asking for forgiveness, still forgive. Why? Because how much have we been forgiven? Look at the verse, Ephesians 4.32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. The scripture is full of places that God tells us to forgive. Now you say, what if they're not asking for forgiveness? We'll still forgive. I don't think you can ever rectify the relationship without that person asking forgiveness or repenting. You won't have the relationship maybe that you used to have and that's forever lost unless that person is trying to be restored. But we should still forgive. Now, if that person does want forgiveness and ask forgiveness, what are we to do? Again, we are to forgive and try to restore that relationship. Look at Matthew 18. This is a whole example of ways that we can, if someone has wronged us, this is how we deal with it. It ends with this. If this person's neglecting to hear the problem or the sin, you are to, as a church, let him be as a heathen. In other words, to remove them from your midst and not have fellowship with them. Why? So you can, by that person missing that relationship with you, that fellowship with you, that they will see the error of their way and they will come to ask forgiveness and be restored. Okay? So that tells me that it is okay to forgive but not restore fellowship because there's an example of that. Also Luke 17, 3 tells us if a brother trespass against thee, rebuke him and if he repent, forgive him. 
So I believe that's in reference to the restoration of fellowship. But some people say, well, my husband's abused me physically, emotionally, and I just have to forgive him, and then everything's fine. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Forgiveness is important, and you should do that. But that person also needs to see the error, ask forgiveness, and then there can be a restoration process. And then we should seek for that, but it's not always the case. You have to earn or re-earn trust sometimes. It's not going to be automatically the same. It might take some time to heal the wound, to have that fellowship restored. When you think of Alaska, perhaps you dream of seeing glaciers, whales, bear, and being surrounded by beauty while sailing the smooth green waters. Now is your opportunity to go to Alaska within grace for a luxury seven-day cruise. Pastor Jim Scudder and his wife Karen invite you on a seven-day InGrace Creation Cruise this July. InGrace is joined by Bruce Malone, a renowned author and creation speaker, who will share the evidence for creation as we view God's beauty all around us. Don't miss this exciting opportunity to enjoy a time of spiritual refreshment and encouragement as you fellowship with other believers. Call now, 800-78-GRACE. Register online, ingraceradio.com. Or write to us at Ingrace P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to witness the magnificent land of Alaska. That's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. Please give more details about the new heaven and the new earth. This is what we're going to end on. Let me give you a quick time frame, and this would take a whole sermon on Bible prophecy. Let me just give it to you really fast. The Bible talks about an event that's going to happen to the body of Christ. We call it the rapture. The believers are taken up out of the world, and Jesus comes in the air, and there's a trumpet, and the people will be taken, and then starts what's called the tribulation. Read about the tribulation in Daniel and in Revelation. Revelation has a lot of details about a seven-year period where the Antichrist will rise be looked at as the Savior, create a false peace in Israel. No one's been able to create peace. From Carter to Reagan to Bush to even Trump, everyone's trying. No one will arrive at peace in Israel until the Antichrist comes up with some sort of plan and it looks like he's finally achieved peace. There's a seven-year peace treaty. Then you know if hundreds of thousands or millions of people have disappeared and this man rises up in the chaos and signs a seven-year peace treaty with Israel, you're in the tribulation, okay? There's seven years of that, horrible stuff happening. Then Jesus comes back. This is called the second coming of Christ. He comes back where he went up. He ascended from the Mount of Olives. He comes back to the Mount of Olives. And those that are believers, we will be with him. He's on a white horse. The first time he came through the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem on a donkey, he came in peace, he came to die. The second time he comes on a white horse to conquest and to reign. The battle of Armageddon takes place. We will be with him to fight for him, but we won't have to do anything. He opens his mouth and the enemies are conquered. There's a cleanup period. The earth is cleaned up. There's a millennial reign of Christ. He will rule from the throne of David. In Jerusalem, we will rule and reign with him. Then there's a final rebellion. Satan that has been taken and locked up for a thousand years. This is all in Revelation. Read it. Will be loosed for a season. He will go about getting people to rebel against God again. Those that have been born during the millennium will have to also put their faith in Christ. Some won't, and they will be in this rebellion against God, and he will squash that, and then he will destroy the earth. The earth was created perfect. We've messed it up. Thorns, thistles, 
My daughter is great with child. She's not in labor. You notice she's not here today. She's just not feeling well, okay? Which might be part of labor, I don't know. But we have another one in the house that's ready to go. But man, I'm telling you, pain in childbirth, all of these things that are, are part of sin, death, cancer, all that's gonna be restored and fixed. The earth is literally gonna be burnt up. Second Peter 3.10 talks about the heavens and the earth passing away with the fervent heat. The elements will melt and the works of the earth will be burned up. I believe God will take those elements, remake the heavens and the earth. And then Revelation 21 starts to describe, the last two chapters in the Bible start to describe the new heavens and the new earth. He's gonna remake it all back to perfection. In verse one and two of Revelation 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Most people believe that there was an original landmass that wasn't separated by oceans. Today we have vast oceans that separate continents and I believe all that happened, continental drift and all that happened during the flood or sometime during those events and there's evidence of that all over the world. But... <clears throat> This new creation will be back kind of like the original creation was. We're not having the sea separating people. Not to say there isn't any water, because there probably will be water like the original creation had oceans, but the landmass was one, and you didn't have the separation that we have today. So this new heaven and the new earth, the new earth will have no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city in verse 2, New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. So we have the new earth recreated. We also have what's called the new heaven coming down where it even seems like heaven had to be remade because remember Satan has access to the throne of God in heaven so I think that even heaven has become impure because of that and God has destroyed both the earth and the heaven recreated the earth and now the new heaven is coming down it's called new Jerusalem and it's coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband now, what is this new Jerusalem like? If we had time, man, we could go through it. It'd be amazing. Uh, John was told to measure it, and he said that the dimensions of the city were equal. So the width, the breadth, the height of it were the same. The city was massive, okay? Plenty of room. It's huge. The walls are jasper. It's as clear as crystal. The city is made of pure gold, clear as crystal. The light is God's glory. Now, this is cool. We love Christmas lights, right? You love when you go out and you see the brilliance and the colors and the lights and it's so wonderful. The city, this new Jerusalem is lit up and the light's gonna shine right through the whole city and it's gonna reflect the colors of jewels on the foundations of different rubies and different jewels. And you're gonna have the apostles represented with the foundations, the tribes represented with the gates. Okay, so you have the old covenant and the new covenant joining together in this new city and in this new earth. The city has a river of pure water flowing out of the throne of God. There's a tree of life that seems to straddle the river of life. The tree of life has 12 fruits, a new fruit every month for the healing of the nations. So it seems like there will be people living all over the earth, all coming to Jerusalem to bring glory and praise to God. You say, well, what are we going to be doing in this new heaven and this new earth? I tell you one thing, you will not be bored. Think of the most exciting thing that you get to do. We have so many fun things and exciting things and people that we like to be with. Man, I'm telling you, are you going to be bored? Is this like floating on a cloud? No, it's real. It's more real than what's real now. It's beautiful. It's incredible. You're with God. There's no more sin. And, and by the way, Revelation 21 talks about a lot of things that there aren't in heaven. Night, pain, sickness, okay? Sin, it's all gone. 
and it's gonna be marvelous. What are we gonna be doing? We're gonna be serving. You say, well, that sounds boring. No, serving is where it's at. Serving is what real life is all about. If you'll start serving now, you'll be more equipped to serve then. And you'll have built up rewards in heaven where moth and rust doesn't corrupt and where thieves don't break through and steal. My friends, serving is what we should be doing now because that's what we'll be doing through all eternity. And let me just give you this verse. The reason I can't give you all the particulars, I can tell you what the Bible says, but there's so much more it doesn't say. I think it's because it's so grand, our minds can't wrap itself around the things that God has in store for us. How do I know that? 1 Corinthians 2.9, we're going to end with this. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Wow. It's going to be really, really amazing. May God bless our study. I hope you're heading toward that new Jerusalem, that new heaven and earth. I hope that the only other destination the Bible speaks of is an eternal lake of fire. That's not where God wants you. God created the eternal lake of fire, hell for the devil. We all believe he, sh he should go there. We all believe the demons should go there. We all believe people like Hitler should go there. But you know what? That's not where God wants anyone to go. God sent his son to die for you on a cross. He poured out his blood. He was sinless. He was perfect. He rose again the third day. He's alive. And the Bible says very clearly, if you'll believe in him, you have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that good news? We can escape hellfire. We can go to this incredible future just by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we are saved for all eternity. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Sin sends us to hell. That's what we all deserve, and that's the destination of everyone, unless you believe in Jesus. It says that he was God. He was perfect. He never sinned, yet he died. He poured out his blood for you and for my sin. He rose again the third day. He paid for that sin. Now what you must do is no works, no religion. What you must do is believe in him. You say, I can't save myself. I put my trust in Jesus. When you do that, you've passed from death to life. You have eternal life. We would love to answer some of your questions about salvation. If you have a question or if you would like to talk to someone, call us during business hours, 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. If it's after hours, leave us a voicemail. We'll get back to you. Or you can go and contact us on our website, ingraceradio.com. And also while you're there, we have some great resources that will really help you understand eternal life. We also are really thrilled that we can take a journey. As you know, In Grace does a lot of journeys. As a matter of fact, tomorrow on our Friday edition of In Grace, we're gonna take you on a journey to Alaska and show you some of the amazing creation on uh, one of our past trips to Alaska. And we're going to do that by your imagination. You're going to hear us talking about the different things that we're seeing. And we have a creationist that's explaining that to us on tomorrow's program. But we also have a trip coming up to Alaska this July. So it's just a month and a week or so away. 
and you're going to have to act fast if we even have seats. But contact us right away. The fastest way is to go to our website, ingraceradio.com. There you can click on travel and then click on the cruise to Alaska. And there you'll see all the details. It'll show you the, the different ports of call, the, the costs. We have a very affordable and we want you to come with us and enjoy this beautiful place uh, in Alaska. We're also still bringing the same creation speaker we had last time, Bruce Malone and you'll hear him tomorrow on In Grace. And uh, you're going to really love him as well. Him and his wife, Robin, are coming, my wife, Karen, and I. And then in the evenings, we're going to be gathering together with our In Grace friends to worship, to learn, and to learn more about the Lord and his creation. So contact us right away. 1-800-78-GRACE is the phone number. 1-800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. In Grace is excited to announce a seven-day creation cruise to the magnificent land of Alaska this July. Jim Scudder Jr. and his wife Karen are joined by Bruce Malone, a renowned author and creation speaker who will share the evidence for creation as you see God's beauty all around you. Don't miss this time of spiritual refreshment. Call now, 800-78-GRACE. Register online, ingraceradio.com or write to us at Ingrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois. 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.